0: Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy hello London podcast festival it's beautiful anonymous one hour one phone call no names no holds bar Hi, everybody. Chris Gathard here. I want to thank everybody commenting in the Beautiful Anonymous Facebook group, which you really should join in. It's become such a laid-back thing. People discuss episodes and throw up other topics from time to time. It's a low-commitment group with a ton of, of listeners in it. Thank you all for joining. Everybody in there was very, very supportive of the traffic episode, which was a very tough one to hear. And a lot of people telling me I went on a big self-righteous rant about how there should be debt forgiveness programs for people in public service. And a lot of people reached out and told me, those do exist. So that's good to know. I should know things before I fly off the handle. But guess what? The show isn't researched or pre-produced or anything like that. I'm just rolling with the punches. Other people then also told me, yeah, there are debt for- forgiveness programs. They-, they tend to be maybe a little bit hard to navigate at times, though. So I will stand by the idea that those should be things that are better. Anyway. This week's episode, it was a live call that we did in London as part of the London Podcast Festival. I want to thank everyone who showed up to that show. And I also announced on stage, I'm a big fan of Nando's, which uh, we, we don't have in the States. I think maybe there's one or two in the States now, but none of them are near me. Nando's is a uh, is a sort of, I, I would say maybe like an Applebee's equivalent in in England, and uh I think maybe people in England are sort of like, yeah, Nando's is fine, but Americans tend to be like, we don't have Nando's, so we love it. I said on stage we are going to Nando's. Jared and I went to Nando's after the show, and a whole bunch of people, probably like a solid dozen or so, different fans of the show showed up. One of them was a prior caller. It was really fun to eat Nando's with you guys. I actually flew into London landed, showered at the venue, did the show, ate Nando's, went and crashed for about five hours, and then flew back to New York because I'm a little bit obsessed with hanging out hanging out with my son, my baby son. I don't want to be away from him right now. So that's that. Anyway, this call is really great and heartfelt. It's largely a caller remembering her dad, who uh, is sadly not with us anymore. And to just hear about who she is, how her dad informed who she is, who he was, some of the fond memories she has of him. It was really beautiful. And to think a lot of the people in the room felt like, oh, right, we have to face down this idea of grief at some point. And uh, she did such an amazing job of walking us through that and I think really honored her dad. I want to say right out of the gate, I've never been good at accents. So I apologize to anybody who was offended by, by my attempts at them. And uh, one of the really interesting sort of sub-trends of this call was seeing there's so many, you know, there's notoriously so many class politics in the United Kingdom. And it was so cool for me to be in front of a live crowd that was responding to this idea of different accents and what they sort of indicate about different groups throughout England. And uh, meanwhile, I'm standing up there as an ignorant American with uh, no idea. So it was really that side of it was uh, pretty fun to navigate for me. Anyway, enjoy the call.
1: Thank you for calling. Beautiful, anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Hi there. Okay, this is a little bit surreal. <laughs> uh,
0: well, I hope in a good way. I hope you're not. I hope you're not uh, instantly regretting that you chose to do this because I'm psyched you're here.
1: Yeah, I'm like deeply disappointing. I didn't call 50 times or anything. It's like, I'm so disappointed right now.
0: Oh, you're just playing it cool. Listen, before we get into it, <laughs> I think you, uh, if you called, you saw when I, when I posted online about it, but we are uh, at the Ludden Podcast Festival, so there's a crowd watching. Don't be intimidated. They're all very nice, and I think they're rooting for you.
1: Okay. <laughs> no, I'm so glad. That's really cool.
0: All right. Yeah. So otherwise, we're just going to have a nice talk like usual. They might throw some questions at me along the way via, via uh, the internets, the system we have set up. But what's going on? What would you like to talk about?
1: Oh, <sighs> okay. Um, so I've kind of wanted to make this call for a year now, probably longer. I've been listening to the show for so long. But you know when you always think you have something to talk about until the next big thing happens? And I think this time last year is when my big thing happened. So So effectively, um, in three days is the first anniversary of my dad passing away.
0: Oh, I'm so sorry.
1: And that's kind of, that's okay. But that's what I wanted to talk about, I guess. Um, Just because I think it's worth talking about. And I love my dad a lot. And I think it's something that, a lot of people would be interested in. I'm quite young. Obviously, I'm not going to go too far into like how old I am, but um, I'm pretty young. I'm at university at the moment. And so it's pretty unusual, I think, to lose a parent when you're this age, especially one that you were really close to. So I thought it might be interesting for people to hear about or just might be quite cathartic for me to talk about, I guess.
0: Yeah, I'm let's uh let's do it. I'm 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 interested to hear your story and I know I know on my end I I both of my parents are still with me but it's it's been like a long-standing trigger of my own anxiety. My whole life is like, oh my god, my one day oh yeah. one day my parents are going to go. It's a it's a nerve-wracking thing and I'm sorry you had to deal with it so young.
1: No, don't worry. Um yeah, I think so I guess I'll go into the context a little bit. So I had just gotten back to university like three days before, um, and my dad had dropped me off, and it was all very normal. And my dad's one of those really like, I guess, spunky people who just kind of doesn't, you know, hold their tongue. And genuinely three days before he had dropped me off at university and then shouted at my university landlord and basically been like, This house is not safe enough. You need to change the doors. This is my daughter, Um, which is very much like how he was. And so he was just completely normal and everything was fine. And then three days later, I had this is kind of weird, but basically my boyfriend and I, my ex-boyfriend and I had broken up the day before. And then the next morning I got a call from my mum, where basically she had to tell me that my dad had had heart failure um and that she'd found him like at the bottom of the stairs in our house um and it was from like a pre-existing condition that he had no idea he had and so it was like completely unexpected
0: wow wow that's a that's a real bad week that's a real yeah
1: it really was it was weird and i think Like one of the craziest things for my housemates who I was living with at the time, they all basically came out of their bedrooms to find me like on the floor like sobbing (laughs) and they were like oh my god this girl with this boyfriend like (laughs) what's wrong with her and
0: um Can I ask were you uh what year of university were you were these people you knew and had chosen to live with who you'd already met? Yeah no these were
1: these were the chosen few it was fine. This wasn't Um, they were brilliant they just found me
0: (laughs) They were like this guy was not that cool you're gonna find someone so much better
1: probably looking at me like honestly and i think for them it clicked when they saw like i think people have talked about the kind of sobs of someone who's grieving and how it's very different to like normal crying and i think for them they like came out and they were like oh this isn't like normal tears this is like serious um and so eventually like I couldn't really get a lot out, but eventually I basically had to be like, yeah, my dad is dead. And they had seen him literally like three days before and they were like, uh, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Obviously they were really good about it, but they, I think for them, like they were more confused than I was. And so, yeah, it was really weird, really surreal.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's really unimaginable. And to hear, you know... This idea that it was something that no one knew existed, and then by the time you find out, it's no, too exactly. Late. Wow, did that? Uh, I'm not trying to be too facetious, but just because you did paint the picture in comparison to the breakup, like, did that guy ever come back and try to be like, "Hey, I just really think, I just really think we have something," and you had to be like, "Hey, I have moved on," like in so many different <laughs> no, ways. No,
1: bless him. He's very sweet. So we actually only broke up because um, we were going to have to be long distance for quite a while. And we didn't just think we could handle it. We didn't think it would be like good for us mentally. And so it was like a mutual friendship break up, and it was all fine. Um, That's good. Okay. and actually I called him, I was planning on not calling him at all and just letting him like, he was going to Italy for a year and I was kind of like, you know, going to let him go off and not have to think about it. And I was with my mum. um, kind of the first night I, when I got home, um, and she basically was like, yeah, you should probably call him. Just mm-hmm. let him know. Like he cares about you. He'd want to know. So then he came over the next day. Like I called him and he was over within two hours just to kind of, like hug me, and that was nice.
0: Oh, look at that! So he was
1: good. Um, you know, we're not together. We're still kind of not together. We never got back together. But like, you know, I'm still happy that I have him as a friend, and he really helped. Like that day, I really needed him. So
0: that's pretty good to have somebody step up like that. That's really nice.
1: Yeah, no, no, he was brilliant. I mean, like, obviously. It meant that for ages, I just kind of forgot that we'd broken up as in like, because I had this other thing that was so much more important, Right. people would be like, oh, how's, you know, what's his name or whatever. And I'd be like, oh yeah, he's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I just wouldn't talk about the breakup very much. Right. Because it seems so unimportant, like completely.
0: Yeah. It seems like the most trivial thing in the world. Whereas a week prior, it would have been the most important thing in the world.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, that's what I mean when I said that kind of I'd had all these things I wanted to talk about up until I had that one thing. I mean, like, so I had like my wisdom tooth out halfway through the summer and I'd been au pairing, like I'd been babysitting in Spain and they'd massively mistreated me. And then my grandfather passed away after a like, long battle with Alzheimer's. And that, It all like kind of felt like the worst thing in the world. And then the worst thing happened. And I think like, you know, when you're really young and you feel dramatic about really stupid things and then like you have one grief and then you have the grief and it's kind of, you know, everything piles up and you don't realize. And so yeah, a breakup is just deeply unimportant in the grand scheme of things.
0: Yeah, and a wisdom tooth seems like a vacation. (laughs)
1: Oh, honestly, I thought it was awful at the time. And (laughs) literally afterwards, I was like, okay, come at me. What else is there?
0: I I uh, just just a quick tangent, not to make it about me. When I got my wisdom teeth out, I got got three wisdom teeth out at the same time. And then uh, when I was being driven home, I felt very sick. And I, uh, <laughs> this is gross. I don't know why I'm telling this in front of a live crowd. Go ahead. In the comfort of a studio, this would be a one-on-one moment where we would share it. But now I'm realizing all these people are looking at me. I, 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 I told the person driving me, hey, I'm going to be sick. You have to stop. And I jumped out of the car. And, you know, I was, very, I was still sort of all doped up. And I was on painkillers. And I, like, jumped out of their car. And we were in front of someone else's house. And I just Ooh. ran ran onto the front lawn of this house in the suburbs of New Jersey and vomited up blood. <laughs> what was clearly blood. And then I looked up and there was a person, a woman in the house looking at me. And then I got back in the van. My, I was being driven in a van. I jumped back in the van and it sped away. And I was only like nine. I was like 18 or 19 at the time, and I looked much, much younger for my age. So I've always wondered, like from the perspective of that New Jersey housewife, a teenage boy almost escaped a kidnapping on her front lawn. And then threw up blood. Yeah. A teenage boy jumped out, threw up blood, made eye contact with her, and then was just inexplicably like, I'm going to get back in this van. (laughs) And she's probably always worried forever if that little boy was okay. So if you're listening, I'm fine, lady. (laughs) Yeah. So tell me, tell me, uh, tell me how things change. Do you go back to university? Do you? How How does this bounce back happen? How does life go on?
1: Yeah. So I did go back. So I came home for about ten days, and in that time, I was very much like, "What do I do? Do I?" completely drop out do I you know drop out for a bit and go back but I think my dad the biggest thing I can tell you about my dad is he was insanely proud of me and that was one of the things that really kept me going like when I was a kid he'd always like boast about me to his friends and be really big about it and I hated it like I absolutely hated it and it made me feel so uncomfortable and I'd be like uh like please stop I hate this and then after he died, I realized that everything I did, I did to make him proud. And so I was like, oh, that's why I was doing that stuff. It's because I liked that he was so happy when I was happy. And so I was like, okay, we're going back to university.
0: Wow. So you you immediately... <laughs> that's That's really interesting to me. So you you were feeling certain feelings of just sort of like, oh, dad, stop. Like those, those feelings that all kids yeah. have. And then you immediately, you were able to realize that your feelings went deeper than that in a way you hadn't understood prior.
1: It took me a while, yeah. It took me quite a while of kind of people, you know, at the funeral and that kind of thing coming up to me and being like, oh, you know, he was so, so proud of you. And like, I knew that, you know, I'd had people saying that to me for years, but it was after he died, I was like, you know, when they would say that to me, instead of feeling sad, it would make me feel so much better. And I was like, oh, that's why it's because he can't say it to me anymore. But they're reminding me that that's why I did what I did. And so I think that's what triggered it. Like people telling me that he was proud of me. I was like, oh, I know. That's why I did. Oh, you know?
0: Yeah. Are there there things that you still do, still participate in that are still driven by that feeling that he would be proud of you for doing it?
1: Yeah. I mean, so I do like student radio at my university and I remember, so one of the big things, the reason I joined student radio is because I'm really into rugby and I got into rugby kind of to spite my dad (laughs) because... Basically, all of the other, so I'm the youngest of four, and I'm one of two girls, and all of the others are really not into their rugby, and my dad's very into rugby, and so when I was younger, he tried on the first son, like, you know, you should really like rugby. He didn't like it. Tried on my sister. She kind of likes it, but, like, not to the same degree he did. Tried with my brother, you know, would buy them all all the merch and all of the stuff, and then didn't try with me because he just couldn't be bothered. And so, because he was like, mm, she's the final daughter, she's not going to care. Um, <laughs> and so, basically, when I was 15, um, there was kind of a big rugby event going on in England. I feel like I've just given away my age, but we're not going to go into that. Anyway, there was a, something big going on in England, and he went to all the matches, and I, just to spite him, started watching one of them, and started live texting him, about the teams that were playing and being like, oh, that was amazing. Did you see that? Did you see this? And he was like, he texted me back and he was like, are you actually watching this or are you just taking the mic? And I was like, oh no, I'm watching. I'm really enjoying this. And then I just got obsessed and that made him so happy. And like, it took him a while to kind of realize that I was not joking and I genuinely loved it as much as he did. And so when I got into radio, it was specifically because I wanted to talk about rugby with someone who wasn't my dad. Um, and he thought that was so cool that I was the only girl on the like, radio team that wanted to talk about sports,
0: basically. Can I reiterate, I believe you said you, start to, you, you started watching rugby to... S- You specifically set out to spite him by enjoying the thing (laughs) he also enjoys.
1: No, okay, but it was mostly because I was like, why is it that my brother has a thousand rugby hoodies and I have none and you never even tried to make me like it? And so I was like, okay, I'm going to like it more than you. I'm going to know more than you about this thing that you didn't want me to like.
0: I'm going to show you. I'm going to love something you love harder than you love it. (laughs) That'll put you in your place.
1: Yeah, turns out he really liked that and (laughs) he was really happy.
0: (laughs) Is there any part of you that wonders, like, if he was trying so... Because it's funny, my dad just had this conversation with me where I was like, I can't wait to get my kid into Star Wars and Marvel comic books. And my dad was like, good luck. Your kids will like nothing you like. (laughs) My dad's like, I love DC Comics and Star Trek and all you ever talked about was Marvel Comics and Star Wars. Do you think there's <laughs> yeah. any level where your dad was like, "Oh, the three older ones, I tried so hard and it didn't work. Maybe I can, maybe I can trick the young one." Like, do you? Is he there any part of you that thinks psychology, this is? Yeah. What's that?
1: He can reverse psychology me into loving all his favorite things.
0: Yeah, like if if I act like I don't want her to like the things that she will invariably at some age rebel against me, by becoming my friend. Like that's becoming <laughs> <I mean>,
1: my. <laughs> yes. I mean, knowing him, that is exactly what he was doing. But at the same time, he was so shocked that I actually liked it. And it was it wasn't just kind of like a low key enjoyment. It was like the reason I chose the university I chose is because I liked the professional rugby team in that city. What so, and basically.
0: You picked, <laughs> that's now I went to a rugby match. You know that um Rugby in the States is not a a very big sport. I think people. No, of
1: course. I mean, that's why I'm trying not to go too far into details because I feel like they'll be like, what?
0: (laughs) No, I mean, first of all, though, there's an entire crowd here that will get to watch me not know what the hell you're talking about. And that might be fun for them. But I will say, I once, uh, I did shows. I did the Edinburgh Fringe in 2016. And then afterwards, my wife and I, we went and drove all over Ireland and we were in Galway and we were staying down the street from, a uh, 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 field, a pitch, I don't even know what it's called, where there was a rugby match. We went and watched yeah. it, and I'll say, to the American eye, rugby is a very long fist fight. That's what it looks It just looks like a very long yeah. fight. That's, is, that's, it sort of looks like a sport that we would recognize in that there's a ball and you have to move forward. But it seems to be a lot of very beefy men in small shorts but
1: you have to, fighting. But you have to move forward, but the ball has to move backwards, which is fun. <laughs>
0: uh huh. It's pretty. It's pretty. Uh. It's pretty gruesome. It's pretty gruesome. It's like uh, very fun to watch. Oh yeah,
1: people will play. Honestly, the players don't care. They'll play with their ear ripped off for half the match until the ref is like, "You literally have to go. Like, <laughs> go now."
0: Yeah, I would be scared to play. it. Although I have a friend who played in college. People play in college in the States, but there's, you know, that's about, I I don't think there's much, like, much of a pro scene. And uh, my friend told me that- Yeah, similar
1: for us with American football, people people play at university, but don't kind of go pro or anything.
0: Oh, I didn't think anyone played any American (laughs) football here. No, one of my best
1: friends does it. Yeah. No, he loves it. He absolutely loves it.
0: Wow. I had no idea. I thought people were just kind of vaguely mad that we call it
1: football. Mm, I mean, yes, underlying, but no, people play it. I don't. I don't watch it either. It's kind of second-tier rugby, but we won't go into that.
0: (laughs) American football, second-tier rugby. That would be a good uh, slogan for the (laughs) NFL to adopt. My friend told me that... Oh, absolutely. My friend who played rugby throughout his uh, university years, college years, as we would say, he told me that part of the joy is that you go out you absolutely are fist fighting other people. You're throwing cheap shots. You're trying to hit them in their genitals. You're trying to like put your thumb in between their ribs and not get in trouble, punch people. But after the match, yeah. you go with those same people and you drink until you're blind. And then you sing songs. Oh, and that's absolutely. the fun part.
1: No, literally. And the crowd does exactly the same thing. Like I don't know if you know about the kind of controversies with British football, whereby you know, there's always, when there's a crowd, they have to separate the home and the away fans with, like, lines of police officers just to prevent there being fights. Whereas with rugby, even at, like, international level, like the highest level, you'll get, you'll turn around and there'll be, like, you know, some Australian rugby fans sat right behind you. And if you score a try, which is kind of like a touchdown, essentially, they'll be like, oh, do you want to get a beer? Like, oh, congrats, that was so good. Like, I'll, get, I'll buy you the next round or whatever. And it's just so cool. Like, it's just the best atmosphere in the world.
0: Who knew that a sport as visually violent as rugby created such warmth amongst its fans? Yet another thing we've learned here. Other things you can learn are about different products and services. Check out these ads. Use the promo codes. It really helps the show when you do. We'll be right back. on how you buy thanks to everybody who advertises on beautiful anonymous now let's get back to this conversation live from london
1: and it's just so cool like it's just the best atmosphere in the world
0: i will just say i don't know much about the relationship between the uk and australia but at least when it comes to sports fandom the way you just said the word australian was very revealing you are like, the, you know, you'll wind no, up in the stands and some Australians awesome. will be sitting behind you. you it, no. It, it,
1: honestly, I'd have said anyone's, te- like anyone's country name that way. It's about to be the Rugby World Cup in literally, like, a matter of days. And so all other teams are dead to me except England. Does the U.S. send a team to the Rugby World Cup? Do we even try? They do. In fact, I think the U.S. is in the same pool as us. So you're going to be the first team we beat. <laughs>
0: Well, I would imagine that's true. <laughs> I would imagine that's true. It's not our sport of choice. But if you want to come play fake rugby, we will destroy you.
1: Okay, okay. I'll hold you to that and not even bother to argue.
0: Now, you've educated me a little bit on rugby. That was one of the main points you wanted to talk about as far as your relationship with your dad. Let's get back on track with that. What are the other things? Yeah. The, uh, someone, just, uh, someone tweeted something that I thought was really uh, was really. I thought just a cool, broad way to put it of just, what, what do you remember your dad most for and what do you want your dad to remember be remembered most for?
1: Ooh. Um, I think, I guess his charisma. Like, he had the ability to kind of make everyone in the room find him either absolutely horrendous or the most enthralling person in the world. <laughs> which... I think is a massive talent um, because <laughs> so my dad so my dad was from the East End of London, and if people don 't know, you know there 's a bit of kind of controversy there it 's usually when he was first starting work, um, it was massively looked down upon to be from that area, and he really wanted to get into business and he you know, he didn't want to change his voice. There's like an accent associated with the East End and he didn't want to change his voice and so he changed himself. So he would be the most charismatic person in the room with a Cockney accent and he'd still say the things that he would say you know, down the pub with his mates and he would still insult people who he didn't kind of you know, if someone insulted him he would insult them back. But People loved that. And I think a lot of people, that was like his sense of humor. And so people would either have like the reaction where they just never talk to him again, or the majority would end up being like, this guy's really cool. Like, this guy's really interesting. And so I think, I mean, one of the best examples is all of the teachers at my school. I went to a very posh school, thus the accent, which is horrendous. And I'm really sorry about that. Um, But yeah, so I went to a really kind of fancy school and so my dad would turn up, you know, with his Cockney accent and with his really rude jokes and he would talk to like my school principal or like the teachers and afterwards they'd just talk about him for weeks and like I hated it in the same way that I hated when he would kind of tell people how proud he was of me or whatever. I literally would be like, oh God. Like, I'd see a teacher that I'd seen him talking to at, like, you know, like a parents' meeting or at a school play I was in or something. And he, you know, he'd completely charm them. And then for days, I would have like a teacher coming up to me and being like, oh, I've been emailing your dad. What a cool guy. And I literally hated it. <laughs>
0: I just had a very delightful experience, and I'm glad this is a live show, because when you started to explain where your dad was from and his insistence on using his cockney accent, I started to hear some knowing, stifled giggles from the crowd as I heard a large number of people in this room go like, yeah, I know the type of guy she's talking about. I heard people start to yeah. recognize that. <laughs> and then when you said you went to a posh school, hence the accent, there was a big laugh, whereas to me... It's just all British. It just, uh, but everybody here was like, yeah, we knew she went to a rich kid's school. Everybody in the room was like, we could tell. Whereas, um, I I feel Americans are particularly bad at sensing accents, right? Like, we are not good at that. I have found that. um, that We just hear everything we're like, but that's very American, isn't it? Right? We're like, you don't sound like our movies, and that's like how far we take it. (laughs) Yeah. You are from somewhere that is not. America, whereas you guys are like, oh, I can tell that you're from, exe- or like, somewhere. Expe- I can tell that you're from between 27 and 38 kilometers west of London, based on your accent, it's like, oh, you're from a specific part of Northern, well, Northern Ireland, I can tell Genuinely, what it is, because it's completely indecipherable. When you say
1: between, like, 27 and 30 kilometers west of London, I don't think you could have pinpointed where I live any better.
0: <laughs> what can I say? I'm very good. I'm very, look, a lot of people think this is just random phone calls. At the end of the day, I am very good at what <laughs> no, I do. You're, no,
1: I'm you've got Jared to, like, to pinpoint where I am. Yeah, that's so why so they, that you could use that little bit of trivia.
0: Well, you know, some, sometimes you know, I, I pay my bills doing this or doing comedy, and then at some point I have my, uh, my street busking act where I'm known as the human GPS, uh, <laughs> where I hear people's accents okay. and I'm able to tell, pinpoint exactly. The latitude and longitude of where where their accent is rooted in. No, that was just an eerie coincidence. I apologize. So your dad... That is
1: really weird. I was like, okay.
0: (laughs) Now your dad... I'm just glad I was smart enough to switch it to kilometers and not say miles in a way that would have gotten everyone mad. So your dad, he comes in. He knows how to take over the room. He knows how to run the show. People might be charmed by it. People might be put off by it. He does not care. He's going to be who he is. He's going to do what he does. Yeah. That has to be a really inspiring thing to look back and remember.
1: Absolutely. I mean, the way that he got to where he was, you know, because I went to rich girl school, um, the way that he could afford that is by going right from the bottom to the top, as opposed to Drake, who started like mid-tier and then got to the top. My dad really started at the bottom mm-hmm. Um and worked so, so hard. And that's why he sounded like that. And I sound like this. And that's not something I've ever been ashamed of because I know how hard he worked to be able to afford to kind of put me into a school that I was so desperately wanted to go to and so you know that's something that I find inspiring the fact that he used his voice he used his charisma to get him to where you know to where I wanted to be if that makes sense and so that's something that yeah I find massively inspiring
0: And do you think, was there a part of him that was, like, happy to bring you around, like, his old friends and be like, check out my posh daughter? Like, was there that (laughs) side of things?
1: I guess so. I think, I mean, he loved the name of my school. He just, you know, any time he could just be like, my daughter goes to X. You know, my daughter goes here. Everyone would be like, ooh, I've heard of that school. And in England, like, if someone's heard of that school, then it's cool.
0: Let me ask you, and uh, you have not named it. I'm not asking you to name it because you're setting your own boundaries. I respect it. Is it a school that if you said it, everyone in this room would be like, ooh? Would they know it in this room? I don't know
1: that they'd be like, I think the ooh would be more of an ew.
0: (laughs) So it was that posh.
1: It was that level of... I I don't know. I loved my school. I loved it so, so much. But the people that went to it, besides me and my immediate circle of friends, I find repulsive.
0: Wow. It's one of those. Okay. Okay. Now, someone... They're uh, just
1: not the one.
0: <laughs> now, Emma in the audience has put up a tweet that I think is a very good idea. Emma has asked if you and I can both... Um, do our version of a cockney accent um i think i oh gosh maybe i should go (laughs) first because i'm just taking a stab in the dark and then i would imagine you who grew up around it can do something that's maybe a little more accurate as to what it is i know i'm not
1: gonna say i can do it accurately i really won't but i'll give it my best shot
0: if mine is somehow more accurate than yours Then your dad did such a good job of educating you and getting away from... All right, Ray, I'll do my version of a Cockney accent, what I think it is based on my very limited knowledge, which comes purely through pop culture. And then you can go ahead and do yours. Sound good?
1: Yeah, go ahead.
0: Okay. And uh, although my understanding of... Okay, I'm a little nervous. Because I also just realized I'm here in front of a live crowd, and my understanding, and again, limited cultural understanding, but from what I have gathered, is if I piss off someone with a Cockney accent, that might not end well for me. <laughs> is that generally people with no. Cockney accents are not the type of people you want to insult. So just understand, this is not meant to mock. This is my legitimate, okay, um, what's, okay, uh, let's both try to, okay, uh, I'll say, <laughs> I'm going to, okay, I'm going to go ahead and say this, just a sentence, just because we brought it up. Um, Hey hey everybody, happy to be back at the pub Check out my posh daughter That's what I'll say As a tribute to your A very respectful tribute to your dad My version of what that must sound like in a Cockney accent Would be like Hi everybody Happy to be back in the pub Check out me posh daughter That's a Cockney accent in my mind
1: Why was the end French?
0: Was that close or no?
1: I mean it started so well and then it just got worse from there you
0: just described so many of my projects so many okay. of my professional endeavors it started so well and then just went off the rails what would it sound more like to you
1: i don't know i mean can i say something that i heard my dad say a lot
0: absolutely i would love that
1: okay Will you like to tell a story about his mate umper his mate umper who would mess with you like if you said something wrong his mate Umper would go down pub, mess with you. He'd mess you up, Umper. So he had a friend called Humper. No one knows why his friend was called Humper. I think it might have been something like his his name was Humphreys or something, but my dad exclusively referred to this man as Humper. (laughs) And he was someone who could mess you up. I don't know why he'd want to mess you up, but my dad's mate Humper could mess you up.
0: Now, does Humper have the same double entendre here as it would have in the state? Okay, good. We're all on the same juvenile page then, good. Yeah, no, very much
1: so. Trust me. That's why my dad liked the story so much. Anything that was like deeply uncomfortable for me, I'm sure he told my teachers that story. He loved that story. And he loved how uncomfortable it made me.
0: I feel like you're doing a really good job now of painting a picture of your dad and why why you remember him so well, I just want to see, do you guys in the crowd, is it striking true? Do you know people like this guy? Are you feeling it? Like, do you know the lovable Cockney guy who loves throwing it around? (laughs) Yeah. They all know your dad in a way. You're doing a real good job where all these people sort of know him.
1: I think that's such a nice thing. Okay. I'm glad. Yeah. I wish more people knew him. He was awesome.
0: That's cool. What else? What else do we want to know? Oh, someone's asking too, how's the rest of your family doing? Did this bring you guys closer together? How's your mom? How's your siblings? How's everybody dealing with Gosh, it? Gosh,
1: that's a crazy good question. There's a lot to unpack, I guess. So um, I, I think my mom and I dealt with it in very similar ways. Um, my mom and I have always been extremely similar. Like our personalities are pretty much, you know, my dad always called me mini-her um, in a slightly ruder way than that. I don't know if I'm allowed to... Can I swear if I say sorry, Sally?
0: You can swear even if you
1: don't. <laughs> cool. So my dad referred to my mum as ace bitch, and I was bitch in training.
0: <laughs> he really... You're not kidding. This man pulled no punches. <laughs>
1: No, he literally didn't. No, he loved... Us. No, okay, trust me. He loved us. He couldn't have <laughs> dealt with anyone else. No one else could have dealt with him.
0: Oh, P.S. He did um, love us, just so you know.
1: No, he did. He of did. Of course. But, no, like, I'm not it was, like, it was mostly in private that he would call us this. <laughs> but, <yeah>. Oh, good.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay. But essentially, the point of that little tangent is that my mom and I were very similar. So my mum handled it very well. For a while... It was a bit tough. I think like she was grieving the loss of her father and, you know, her soulmate, her life partner at the same time. And so she found it really difficult to kind of see other people's grief, but not in a bad way. Like she tried really hard. She just, you know, she wasn't herself for a while. And then my brother, so I have, as I say, two brothers, one sister. Um, my sister dealt with it really well kind of she cried a lot more than me she's a big crier but she dealt with it well she continued with her life she's doing really well um my closest in age to me brother took a while it actually he kind of it took him a few months to actually cry for the first time um which people found a bit you know odd but like that wasn't his fault I think it just took him quite a while to process it he actually ended up having a dream where my dad basically knocked on his door at university and was like, how are you doing? I think I didn't need to talk to you. And then when my brother woke up, he like woke up from that dream about my dad and just started sobbing. And that was months after my dad had died. And so I think it took him basically having like a visitation for him to actually address it. Wow. And then, yeah, it was my mom and I were so happy like when my brother my mom he, he called my mom crying and my mom was like oh great <laughs> <laughs> because we'd been we'd been so worried that kind of he wasn't you know that he was bottling it a little bit right. which isn't good when you are grieving based, um,
0: based on and what so, your, based on what you're, you've told us about your dad I'm surprised in the dream he didn't knock on your brother's door like oh, you're not gonna cry for me <laughs> like let's get <laughs> crying buddy what are <laughs> oh, you doing yeah,
1: Yeah, literally. No, I think he he babied my older brother quite a lot, so he wouldn't have cared either way. But I think, oh, mm, the brother needed that. Mm -hmm. We're not going to say names, but you probably worked out what his name is. Anywho. (laughs) um, (laughs) Yeah, so the last brother is kind of the the big one. Um, Basically he handled it really well initially. So he and I wrote the eulogy for dad, um, for his funeral. And as the oldest and the youngest kid, like that kind of, you know, helped to sum up the way my dad had been. Um, I'm actually from my dad's second marriage. So the first, you know, my brother and my sister are from his first wife. And so they're quite considerably older than me. Um, so my eldest brother is nearly 40. Mm -hmm. Um, you know a few years off from being 40 and so there's quite a considerable age gap yeah he's um, old as the house. All... <laughs> no he's not like old old but he no he's older old than me. and he's
0: feeling older every day and he's getting insecure about it he's probably had to finally admit that yes his hairline is receding <laughs> uh He's, no, this is. I'm just projecting. No, please continue. I was I'll literally stop about my, to
1: say, is this a personal thing? Do you yes. want to talk about this? Yes. Do you need a phone call?
0: I'm sorry to interrupt. Please continue. I'm making dumb jokes. No, it.
1: don't worry. It's
0: all true. I gotta own it. I think the best thing about me having a kid is that my lifestyle finally fits my hairline. It makes a lot more sense now. So look, I, I've had the hairline of an exhausted dad for a while. Anyway, I broke it up the momentum. Let's get some ads out of the way. Use the promo codes. We'll be right back. on how you buy thanks again to everybody who sponsors beautiful anonymous now let's finish off this conversation
1: is this a personal thing do you want to talk about this yes you need a phone call
0: i am sorry to interrupt please continue i'm making dumb jokes no
1: don't worry (laughs) so effectively um we thought that he'd handled it pretty well and then um close to the six months anniversary, I guess, or like the halfway point in the anniversary, um, he is going to get real deep real quick. So I hope everyone's prepared. Um, He overdosed on ketamine um, and he was fine, but he ended up in a kind of psych hospital um, and he had borderline personality disorder for a while Um, and he's fine now. So obviously it's okay, but he didn't take it the best and we all thought that he had and then he basically had, you know, he did that then came out and he was still ill and then he overdosed again, destroyed everything in his house, went back into hospital. Um, and then, you know, a month, two months down the line, he actually got better again and now he's back to normal. Wow. Um, but that was, that was pretty, um, eventful. My mum, my brother were actually on a trip in Japan at the time, as in my mum and my full brother um, were away at the time because they went on a trip that my mum was meant to take with my dad, um, and it was already paid for, so my brother went instead, and so I was like on my own in my university town. Like when it happened, like when effectively the first time he overdosed, he went missing for a few days um, because he ended up in like an actual regular hospital without his phone, so they couldn't contact us. Um, So my sister eventually found him. Um, Yeah, and I guess basically, like, we both thought that he wasn't alive. And then he was, and everything was fine, but he still wasn't himself. And so that was pretty um, difficult because, you know, we all thought that everything was getting better. I know at the six-month mark, like, I felt a lot better about everything. And then this happened, and I was kind of like, okay, it's not it's not much normal yet
0: yeah that's terrifying i'm sorry that's like a just as just as big and i'm sorry you had to deal with that as everything else you've said that's a, i would imagine maybe that's okay like your brother being the oldest trying to put a brave face on it do you think do you think that pressure i think
1: yeah i think he it wasn't really that because my sister has always been kind of thought of as the oldest sibling but actually, I'd say, okay, this is going to sound really like conceited. That's not what I'm trying for. But like, in general, I would perceive myself as the most mature um, just because I grew up kind of away from home, which meant that I didn't kind of get coddled, I guess. Like, my parents kind of expected me to do stuff a lot on my own. And so, like, when my dad died, I was the one that was asked to make the phone calls to his friends to tell them, that he'd passed away because obviously my mum couldn't make all of them on her own. And, you know, she'd had to do that for all of all of her kids and like all of the people that she cared about the most. And so then after that, when I got home, like it was me and to some extent my sister did a few of them that did all of the like, sorry to let you know, your debt, your friend is dead calls. And so like, it wasn't really my brother that we expected to kind of take on all the responsibility. It was largely like my sister Um, but at the same time, we weren't expecting him to do something like that.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that he's feeling better and he's on the other side of that.
1: Yeah, no, he's doing, he's doing a lot better. It it took a while. I think it was at like a really bad time. Um, so when he overdosed the second time, um, Again, this is going to sound really selfish. I'm just trying to like tell it from my perspective, I guess. Um, so when he overdosed the second time, it was the day before my kind of final exams started. Um, and so that was weird. Um, so my mum kind of, because my mom obviously didn't have my dad to talk to at the time. And so she didn't have anyone to talk to about it. And so she would call me, you know, 20 minutes before I went into one of my finals and you know tell me an update about how my brother was doing that kind of thing and that was pretty weird you know having to deal with like both of those things at the same time and like it was fine and I ended up doing okay like I'm happy you know that's something I think my dad would be proud of that I did as well as I did this year in spite of everything but like It was, yeah, it was tough. I think that was, it was like it had happened all over again. Like it was like I had to kind of grieve all over again, even though my brother wasn't dead. But for a while, he was not him. Right.
0: Right. That, this university, year, I mean, that, I don't, when you say you did well, that's so commendable. Because to start it off grieving and then to end it. Yeah to end it with tragedy pouring like you it's it, there's nothing funny about it but there's something so like dark about like 20 you're like sitting there cramming all night for your exams and then 20 minutes beforehand the phone rings and you're like oh gee okay oh gee yeah, yeah.
1: and then you have to get off the phone and be like, <laughs> oh definitely
0: now I gotta go do math now oh god oh god that sounds
1: horrible <laughs> yeah it was weird it was very surreal I think It just was, you know, it was just another thing to deal with. And so I dealt with it. And that was kind of how I saw it. Um, And it took a while, like, out the other side of this year, you know, over the summer to kind of really register, like, all this stuff that had happened. And so, yeah, like, I think it was tough. But I think, you know, I definitely feel like a very different person than I was before this year started.
0: I feel like when, what you just said is like so quietly profound and you don't realize it if, when you just said, yeah, so it was another thing to deal with. So I dealt with it. That's just sort of what life is, right? That's like what you find out about life the longer it goes on. It's like you, you can have all the plans you want. You can have all the visions you want of what's going to happen. But life hands you stuff to deal with. So what do you do? You deal with it. You deal with it. Yeah. You
1: deal with it or you die, basically just people are yelling.
0: <laughs> preach! Are you? Yelling, pe- people were very. I thought what I said was inspiring, and then you added a extremely morbid twist at the end, and it really. I have to. it yeah. Clicked with your countrymen much harder. When you added that was so psychologically revealing about that about the United Kingdom experience here at the show. I was like, you deal with it. Very profound, and you went, or you die, and people were like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, also
1: yeah, I'm glad everyone feels the same. I think it's just something that you learn. I wasn't expecting, as I say, I wasn't expecting to learn it this early, but yeah. I learned it and I'm out the other side and I'm seeing what I can do.
0: There's some, uh, some of the people in the crowd sending some messages I wanted to relay you. Um, Dave, okay. David says that some months after his brother died, he came to me in a dream. I said, I thought you were dead. He said, I am. I've come back to Sam. Okay. And then he left, and then I started to feel better. So I thought that was a nice thing to let That's you know. That's
1: like, yeah, really similar. Really similar? Really sim- similar to my brother.
0: Amanda sent two. One, she works for an Alzheimer's Society and would like to offer you and your family any support needed following the loss of your grandfather. You're not alone. If you want to look up Amanda... It's now becoming a hashtag I'm cringing at, which is B.A. Nando's. I thought it would be funny to have a Nando's reference. And now in the course of a serious moment in the show, I'm regretting that involves Nando's. But if you want to look up (laughs) B.A. Nando's, Amanda's willing to help. AJ suggests that this episode be titled "Bitch in Training. I think that's a bad idea. I think that's a bad idea, AJ. I'm so (laughs) sorry. I would love that.
1: You know, call it what you want.
0: No. It can't
1: be the worst thing that's happened to me this year.
0: We will find a... We're going to find a more thoughtful title than Bitch in Training. But I think AJ knew that was a bad (laughs) idea, which is why he included a Danny DeVito gif with the suggestion. Uh, But the real one I wanted to bring up, also from Amanda, um, just because I think this is something you'd like to hear, it's also something that I'm not certain I totally know the meaning of, but it feels necessary to share it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Caller, your dad sounds like a diamond geezer. Sorry for your loss.
1: Right. Yeah. No, I get that. Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: Someone else. Matthew just said to me, the reason you all cheered is, what with Brexit and all, we're all quite excited by the thought of dying. Jeez. Wow. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Please don't get me started. Honestly, I don't even want to talk about politics. Woo. I hate everything. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's not something I want to go into.
0: Yeah, I mean, we could talk. Oh, the The... The game of ping-pong, could American to British, we could play right now about...
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: It would be just be a lot... Uh, about
1: our matching heads of state and all their oh trashness. My,
0: just the haircuts alone. Just the two haircuts. I see pictures of your guy. I'm like, he makes our guy look like he has a good haircut. Just oh. his haircut. <laughs> He, he look- makes
1: your guy look like he makes good non racist decisions.
0: <laughs> no, he does not. <laughs> no he, I promise you he does not. They just sort of quietly high five across the pond on that one. Um yeah. now what else do we need to know? What else do we need to know? Are there any uh are there any any other thoughts you want to get out there to you that someone asked a sensitive one but that I think is, is a really nice thought in a way. Are there any things mm-hmm. Are there any things you want to have on record as far as things that you want to put out there as far as like things you wish you said to your dad or things you would like to sort of send out into the, the world at large to just sort of send a message to him? I thought that was a nice thought.
1: Yeah. I think the main one is if you love your parents, you know, if you have a good relationship with them, if you love them and if you're proud of them, tell them. Don't think about it after the fact because I think I there was a while where I had like a kind of you know tempestuous relationship with my dad where he would kind of expect me to be you know proud of him or like idolize him for something that he'd done in the same way he did for me and I would kind of just wave it off and be like yeah okay cool dad like that's another cool thing he did well done um and then basically i realized how much that upset him and i wrote him a letter before he died several years before he died basically being like i am obviously proud of you for all of the big things you did for all of the things that got you to where we are today but i'm most proud of you for the little moments and you know the ta- all the times that you did something nice for my closest friends or like you gave someone advice that ended up changing the way that they perceived themselves or whatever And so I made like a list of all of the things that had made me proud of him. And he kept it and I found it after he died and he kept it like in his bedside drawer. Um, And so I think if you you love your parents a lot and if you're proud of them, please tell them because they deserve to hear it. And I think you will regret it if you don't.
0: What a nice thought. We always think it's parents' jobs to tell the kids that, but you're saying, you're advocating... No, give it back. Hand it back to him. That's so beautiful to hear you fa- do
1: it because they raised you. They raised you. They tried so hard and everything they did for the most part is for you. And so if you do something for them, they appreciate it more than you expect because they don't hear it as much anymore, especially if they've lost their own parents. They're not going to get someone telling them they're proud of them.
0: Yeah, that really, when you found that in his bedside drawer, that really, uh, I think people just caught me getting choked up a little bit on stage when you said that. That's what a what a beautiful thing for you to realize how much that meant to him.
1: Yeah, no, I, it was it meant a lot to me as well. I think. I mean, I've got bits and pieces. My dad used to write letters to me because I went to fancy posh boarding school, um, and every time I find another one of the letters, I found one when I went to university, and all it said was. Enjoy yourself at university, proud of you, love bad. And it didn't say anything else. Um and you know, I have it next to my bed now and I look at it whenever I feel like I'm not proud of myself and I'm like, oh but he is, you know, I've you know, maybe I didn't work as hard as I could have done, or maybe I felt, you know, too bad, like too depressed or too whatever to like do anything. But I got out of bed today, so he's proud of that.
0: You know, I'll say something sort of uh i don't know if this will be a little intense my father and i i'm 39 years old my father and i have never said the words i love you to one another and i've always regretted. Please that. do it well here's the thing he and i have talked about how we've never said <laughs> i love you to each other okay and he has said <laughs> yeah. he has said like some like i have joked about it with him One time, because I'm a comedian and I do weird, one time he came on stage with me in a show and we did a QA and a and someone was like, can you guys just say you love each other uh, in in the show? And my dad just went, "Uh, me and Chris aren't that type. We don't, we're not that type. We don't have that type of relationship. We're not that type of people. But I knew what he meant. And here's the funny thing I'm going to say too. Here's the other thing I'm going to say. He's going to listen to this. And he's gonna hear yeah. this beautiful, tender thing about your relationship with your dad, and he's gonna hear me saying that we've never said "I love you." He's gonna laugh. Okay. No, I'm not.
1: Hi dad. <laughs> the dad crowd is the telling color. me, sick. no, he no, he,
0: no." Because here's what's gonna happen. Here's what I'm pretty certain of: is someday my dad, God bless him, great dad, he's gonna be on his deathbed, and I feel like his plan and mine. Is that like right before he dies? I'm just gonna go like, you know, I love you. You know, I've you know the whole time I loved you. He's gonna be like, yeah, I love you too. Shut up, and then he's gonna die. Like that's that's yeah. that's my that's our plan, me and my dad. But he, I know he loves me. He's shown it in so many other ways. No, but cool. You're making me really regret that I've never said it. You're making me regret. Maybe I'll say it. I love you, Dad. If you're listening, Dad, I love you. You know I love you. You know I love you.
1: <laughs> Good. I'm glad. I'm yeah. really glad.
0: You look at that. You made me <laughs> say I love my father to him for the first time in my life. Strangely enough, from a stage in London on a recording, still the only time I have directly said to my father, hey, Ken, I love you. Yeah. And uh, he will not say it back. I promise you. <laughs> he'll not. He'll be laughing. He'll, here's what will happen. He'll listen to this, and he'll call me, and he'll be like, "Hey, I heard your podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you will love me, huh? Like, that. Like <laughs> I mean,
1: anything that you can do to embarrass yourself or make a weird choice is something that my dad would be proud of me making. You do
0: <laughs> good. I'm glad. I'm glad. But I am with you. I, I totally agree. I'll tell you on an, on another sort of sad note. But after I first in my early 20s, I think people have heard me talk about it. I dealt with a lot of like very very tenuous uh, mental health stuff and. After that, my parents Mm -hmm. and I got a lot more open with each other and I will not, there's no part of me that feels like, oh, it's good that I dealt with all that stuff, but I will say one of the happy byproducts is that we got a lot more honest with each other and I was able to tell them that I appreciate them and I think it's really, really good advice that you had out there to lay it out. You're not going to believe this. We only have six minutes left.
1: (sighs) Incredible. Unimaginable. Awful but also cool because six is my lucky number, so I'm down for that.
0: That was handled so uh, poetically. That Truly the cadence of someone who works in radio.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm just really good at not swearing when I'm talking to people I don't know.
0: That's good. I'm not. I swear too much, and I'm trying to clean it up, especially on the podcast. I'm working hard to try to swear less. Um, okay. What else? <laughs> so other people saying, my dad has never said I love you to me, but he has said it to my dog. Uh, <laughs> Alyssa, I'm so oh, sorry. Absolutely.
1: My dog was my dad's favorite kid.
0: Your dog. Seriously. Your, your, <laughs>
1: my dog was my dad's favorite kid.
0: Uh, many people tweeting at me that they are crying at the thought of your letter in his bedside table. And, uh, and I think that...
1: Yeah, I mean, if they want to cry a little bit harder... Bear in mind that I slept on his side of the bed for probably a few months when I got home. Um, and so it was just there the whole time. So were his glasses, because he died in the middle of the night. So they obviously weren't on his face. So that was fun. I think that was something that hurt for a while. But when I found the letter, it helped a lot.
0: Yeah, that's a game changer. So it's been a year. I'm sure some you. Yeah. Hear- Some healing has happened, but not completely. Are there any things Mm -hmm. from the year perspective as you're learning to move on that you didn't expect?
1: I think something that people don't realize about grief is it's not always the times that you expect to cry that you cry. So like, you know, someone will, you know, when I talk about my dad, I don't cry. When I know I'm gonna be talking about my dad, I don't cry. And sometimes I'll be like walking my dog or whatever, or I'll be walking to or from university and something just completely random will make me think, oh God, I wish I told Dad that or like, oh God, I wish I could tell Dad that. And then I'd start crying or I'd just be listening to like a sad song that has nothing to do with the grief of losing a father. And I'll be like, oh, <laughs> and I'm like, what, are you, what is wrong with you? What are you doing? So that's weird. So if you're grieving, it's okay to cry at really weird times.
0: Is there anything particular that has made you cry where you even you can't quite explain the why? Like some weird commercial Um, or you walked past the package Percy Pigs, like anything like that? Where you're like, why is this making me cry? Even I don't know.
1: I mean, shout out to the Percy Pigs thing. My dad always used to buy me Percy Pigs because they're my favorite suite, so I'm glad that you brought that up. Look, um, I know but, that you live
0: 25 kilometers to the west of London. I know you live Percy Pigs. There's a lot of things okay. about you that I've been able to suss out because, again, I am very yeah. good at this job. There's a lot of things I could tell you about you right now. Uh, believe me. <laughs> no, okay. that sounded I way mean, creepier than I mean, One of the I weird process.
1: ones... Way okay, creepier. yeah, we're going to move on. We're going to yes, move on. Yes,
0: let's all move um, on.
1: Probably the weirdest... The weirdest time I cried, which okay, isn't unexpected, but it's a weird place to be crying was um, the first time I watched a rugby match after my dad passed away. I went with like I watched it live, so I went to the field with my housemate who had been there obviously when I found out about that. And I watched the entire match completely enthralled all 80 minutes or all probably, you know, 76 minutes or something. And I got to the last Five minutes, and I thought, oh, my God, this has been such a good match. I can't wait to text Dad. And then I realized that my dad was dead and I couldn't call him, and I started sobbing. Like, not just kind of like one tear. I was, like, sobbing in the middle of a rugby ground surrounded by men holding pints. (laughs) And they were just looking at me like, okay, it wasn't that good of a match. Jesus.
0: Right. That's an Like, the thing... People who don't understand that you're grieving have no idea what's happening sometimes. No, exactly.
1: They'd look at me like, uh, is she okay? Like, it wasn't that good, but okay. <laughs> right. Um, so that was a weird place to be crying, and I was like, you know, because I wasn't expecting it at all, because I was so happy, you know, we'd won. It wasn't like I was upset. And then I was just like, oh, I can't call him. Ah. So that was fun. It
0: doesn't se- you don't have to say it was fun at the end. It, so, it sounds like it was beautiful. It was, sounds like it was really sad and also really beautiful. And those are all okay. Those are all okay. Yeah. That, uh, that image. So everybody, because the sense I got <laughs> when I went to Galway is that by the end of a rugby match, most of the crowd is, I would say, dangerously drunk. And. Uh,
1: oh, yeah. And you're, Very you, merry.
0: And you said the home team won, so everybody's like hugging and, <laughs> and drunk And has just experienced watching 80 minutes of violence to their glee. And then you're just quietly weeping in the center of the storm. That's a pretty beautiful... uh, Yes. Pretty beautiful.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It was weird. It was nice. And it was okay.
0: Yeah. A lot of people are thanking you. I just want to put it out there because we're less than a minute in. So many people coming in. Even the London Podcast Festival itself has been moved and said if you, if you can and you have a good relationship with them, tell your parents how much you love them and how proud of them you are. That came from the festival account. Wow. Even the anonymous what? people beyond the festival. <laughs> Freya says, uh, caller, so thanks crazy. for sharing. Your experience. You've mentioned a few times that you're young, but you're infinitely wise. Lots of love for you in this room. Um, a lot of people saying things along those lines. I, I thank you for sharing. It really was such a, a, an honest look into grief and your dad, and I think you've done right by him, and I feel like we all get a sense that we know him a little bit better, and I can't thank you enough for sharing. I know how hard it is.
1: Thank you. Thank you for letting me. Thank you for, you know, picking up my call three days before the anniversary.
0: can't say enough good things about what a lovely and warm crowd you were. thank you so much for coming out calling thanks so much for calling and being open and vulnerable and letting us in on so many memories that i'm sure you you know hold very close to your heart it's not an easy thing to do and i really appreciate it also thanks to everybody who came out to the show in london it was such a good time meeting all you guys is a constant source of joy for me and going and eating a halloumi sandwich at Nando's afterwards with so many of you. Super fun. Good times. You've got to find more ways to do stuff like that moving forward. Thank you to Jared O'Connell for coming all the way to London and being a part of the show. Thanks for Harry Nelson for everything. Thanks to Shell Shack for the intro music. ChrisGeth.com if you want to know about more of my upcoming tour dates. If you like the show, go to Apple Podcasts. Rate, you subscribe. It really helps when you do. See you next time on Beautiful and Obvious. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous, ayahuasca. You've heard about it vaguely. Now you're going to hear about it from someone who is all in. When I was considering it, it was at a sort of dangerous time in my my life, and it's probably for the best that I did not do ayahuasca in that mental state. Um, although I'd be very, very happy uh, to hear your opinions on the experience of it. You say yes, you've been doing yes. ayahuasca for 13 years?
1: Yes on a on a regular basis like two, three times a month as a spiritual practice. Um, I've spent a lot of time in Brazil because of it. I learned Portuguese out of love for it. It's part of my regular life here. Um, I'm in Canada. I used to live in California. That's where I started. And there's a number of people around in my community that um, we do ayahuasca circles, Brazilian, uh, one Brazilian style as a practice for years. We've been doing it for years.
0: That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous.